This is Akafe. Laura Marie and Jessica Marie proudly present A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, a podcast. Fair warning, everything the hosts say is explicit, full of spoilers and adult content and shall not be used against them. They have opinions. Let's try not to drag anyone for expressing themselves and just have fun for an hour. We all deserve it. This episode contains spoilers from The Infernal Devices, with mentions of The Immortal Instruments, Priory of the Orange Tree, and Throne of Glass. For full list, please see show notes. There's also mention of sexual assault. and welcome to A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, your weekly deep dive into the YA literature and fandoms that we love. I'm Laura Marie. And I'm Jessica Marie. And today we are discussing a book that I feel like doesn't get talked about a lot. It kind of flies under the radar. This is uh, Tales from Shadowhunter Academy by Cassie Clare. So I love this book. Jess, this is a first time read. How do you How do you feel? <laughs> I think I told I I'm I'm smiley. I'm smiley about it. That's how it started. There was, you know, it was it was nice to be back with old friends. We had been reading a couple books that it was just they were very heavy. Not that they weren't great, but I needed something I thought was going to be lighter. <laughs> and then we were like, well, I just said I just want to go back to old friends. And here we are with Shadowhunters Academy. And they're all there. Everybody from the Mortal Instruments. We got flashbacks for flashback slash flash forward of like the infernal devices and i guess like that the people in the infernal devices have kids and then like kind of a peep into their their preteens and oh my gosh i'm just i couldn't stop i really it it really was smiling a a lot and crying but smiling so tales from shadow hunter academy is 10 novellas pretty much that are about an hour to an hour and a half on Audible, which is how we, or audio, which is how we both read this. And it's like over a 600 page book, uh, physically, <laughs> which is kind of crazy, but like we blew through this. It was so, like, this just felt like an easier 600 pages. I didn't even realize that it was 600 pages until we were just kind of discussing before this episode. But there's just something about just, the familiarity, maybe, that made six, it didn't feel daunting at all. So to start this episode, I want to ask you, Jessica, Jessica Marie, a question. <laughs> oh, uh, goodness. No, it's it's a, it's an easy question. It's a fun question. The last time you did that, you it was the end of Clockwork Princess, and you were like, who do you choose? And I just cursed you. <laughs> My question for you is, out of these 10 novellas, we... Oh. We learn a lot about a lot of stuff, about yeah. a lot of people, a lot of situations. We learn a lot. What is your favorite thing that you learned? Or what is the piece that connected for you that you love the most? Or or what, what did you like here the most? I think right now, pre-talking everything out... I want to say I really loved Jamie, James, Harrendell, and his story with Matthew. 
I really, really loved that. I loved all the references to e- everything that I love about the Infernal Devices. You see Jamie, like, he's just taking on so much for himself because he wants his parents to be proud of him and also don't want them to bear this pain and, like, this he doesn't want them to feel like he's a burden or that they're themselves are burdens. You see a lot of the characters, like his quote unquote cousins, both like by blood and by, you know, just when you're close with your family, you're just like, I have this big extended family understanding their dynamics and their vulnerabilities being shared. Anytime daddy Harrendale is like, Oh, it looks like there's going to be, some, some, you know, some stuff floating in the sky. We better have a silent brother check. <laughs> I love how everybody's just, yep, that's it. And yeah, his toe was green and he doesn't look green. It's not very good color on it. <laughs> like, I just love that everybody's in on it. And it makes me feel so much better from when I initially read Clockwork Princess that I thought Jem was going to be out of the picture completely. And we totally... I'm, oh, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. Um, we completely find out that he's never he's never left and he is just as involved with them in their lives. I just... It makes me smiley, but it also makes me super emotional because these these stories are so deep and interconnected and it's like those crazy... SVU maps with the red with the (laughs) everything is everywhere but you're you're excited about it too I don't know that's me well did you have a favorite novella or was there a favorite point here's the thing about Shadowhunters is I love learning more about the world so I think I can't choose like a favorite story I would choose like a favorite part in each of these 10 do you know what I mean right um but I absolutely love that, like, you are, like, sold. You are in on um, The Last Hours, right? Like, that's oh, yeah. that's James's story. I, like I was concerned reading this because I was sending you reaction notes as I was doing this. I go, oh, we're reading. I said at first, before I was getting a little of, like, preteen Jamie, I was saying, oh, I could totally see why you had me read in this order. Um, and also, like, the order that you had suggested that we read was what everybody, ha- like, everybody had DM'd us about, like, read Infernal Devices, go to Infernal Devices next. So I was, I wasn't sure how I was going to pivot, I guess. And then he said, you know what, just do Shadowhunters Academy. I know you're not ready for the last hours. But then I didn't know initially if I needed to read the last hours first to understand this background but I didn't because it's still like pre the last hours. So it, it just, it worked out and you just want to know more. That's really what it comes down to is you still want to learn more. There are like, I think two off the top of my head, very important stories that have to be read um, from um, Ghost of the Shadow Market to really understand what is going on in the last hours before you start that. Is Ghost of the Shadow Market, is that one of the novellas in here or? No, that is Gem's, like, Gem's oh, stories. that's the Gem prequel novella. Oh. Yeah, that, those are all Gem stories. And, um, and as, as you rightly point out, uh, because now, and we're, by the way, we're talking about story number four. This is nothing but shadows. Um, and of course we have to say the favorite line in here, which is, oh 
Mr. Herondale. Hell yeah.、Uh, yes. Yes. Same. I mean, I think I've been. Been pretty open about like, I'm not having, I have no intention of having kids. I don't have kids of my own. I will easily have kids for that.、Oh. <laughs> And, oh, okay.、Uh, so we might as well just talk about this story really fast because we get some really fantastic characters. We get Ragnar in the flesh, right? We, we get some interactions with Ragnar. We get Thomas, we get Christopher, Matthew,、uh, and we get a mention, a very brief mention. Of this mystery girl, Grace, that yeah, James we, was talking we about. Yeah, we still don't know about her, right? Because right. I, there's still a mention of her, and I feel like that was who is this Grace? Exactly. Who is this Grace? My favorite part about this story, if we're going to talk about it, is the banter that James and Will have about the carriage,、uh, <laughs> stealing Uncle Gabriel's carriage. You're like, did Uncle Gabriel, did you ask for his permission? If I asked for his permission, He would like, and but it happens twice in this chapter、yeah. in the beginning and at the end when Jamie, James gets expelled. And he goes, You know, but if I did ask him, I didn't. But if I did, he would have said yes. So we're just gonna bygones be bygones and he'll get over it in a couple years. <laughs> It's one of my favorite things because this story is when you start to have the first mention of Parabatai. Because、mm-hmm. at the end of this, James and Matthew decide to become Parabatai. I feel like it's like it's just deeper because it's because Jamie, it's like in Jamie's point of view, and he's giving you the background and almost like a, a recap refresher, like previously on the Infernal Devices. That's what I, that was kind of what I took away from with this story. Like, hey, if it's been a while, here's a reminder. And, and it's really good too because. Then in present day, I say present day, you know, quotes present、yeah. day,、uh, George and Simon are starting to have the conversation about Parabatai. And George、uh, kind of says, like, you know, I am not your best friend. And I, I know this, like, you are mine, but I am not yours. Yours is Clary. I know this. You'll be Parabatai with her. And they, they start to have that conversation. And it's just knowing now what we know about George. Um, it, it just makes everything so sad, right? Just, right. Well, that was one of my notes. I go, what the fuck was that? Hold on, let me read my note. What the fuck was that? You write this whole new character we learn to like and enjoy and just to kill him off. I was so mad. I really liked him. I liked all parts about him right from the beginning. He really took to, to Simon. And then Simon was like, fuck all y'all. You're treating me like shit. I don't want to deal with you. So he goes to like the, like the be with the mundanes. And you find out that George, even though like by blood he is a Nephilim, you know, he is a, like by blood. Yeah, by blood he's a Nephilim. He, they're just like, you know what? I didn't. We're, we're known to my whole family. We're not known for much anyway. We'll, we'll start from the bottom together. Well, no, George is not Nephilim. George no, is adopted. It, oh, that's right. But he's adopted by a Nephilim family, right? By the Lovelaces. Right. Who's, who are shadow hunters. Who are shadow hunters, right. Okay. So okay. he has the name, not the blood. Okay. But he was being treated as if he did have the blood.、Right. And he was already like, And that, that's an ongoing conversation in this whole book of thinking one group of people are better than another. And that's just really frustrating. And that's, that's a lot of the things that they, it's an ongoing theme in all the Shadowhunter books. It is. And, and it is something that could be used, you know, to like 
I don't know. I don't know. People hate these books because they don't like Cassie Clare. I get it. But like, there's so much good here. You know, the thing that I like about this is we have Simon's journey and then we have all of the stories that help him along his way. So what is happening with Simon? Simon has demon amnesia. He, uh, because of the events of the mortal instruments, we know this. Uh, So Simon Uh, decides to go to Shadowhunter Academy to train to be a Shadowhunter. And then if he ascends, he'll get his memories back. And I find... But it's not guaranteed. Right, because he could just die. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And the thing I like about this, and and I find it so funny, is like, remember when you hated Simon so much? (laughs) I think about that all the time, especially with this one. And I was like, you know, I like Simon. And you're like, I just don't see it. But... Here, he's you, you, I, and this is another like, like when I was, I was telling you, I go, I like to, to reread the mortal instruments, knowing how much I did not like him, but really enjoying him now and the sacrifices he's done and everything. It's just another new perspective, just like, but how much did I shit on Lysandra? And I was, I just said, I don't like her. And I'm sure there's going to be a reason and I'm going to hate myself later, but I don't like her. And now she's my number two. I love watching this journey for you because I, I keep my mouth shut, you know, so it happens <laughs> so like so organically. I love it so much. Um, the thing that I like about Simon and his journey here, though, is that in the beginning, he's like, I cannot stand being around these people that love me and I don't remember anything about them and all i see on their face is disappointment and like anger and it's weird and and i want to be the person that i was right that's simon's struggle throughout all of this he's he's like you know if like who i am who i was and who i will be after ascension and he like is struggling with all of those um and then throughout you know the novellas he learns you know da 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 um but i like Very much, and it's very subtle, the way that Jace kind of redefines his friendship with Simon throughout this whole book. Uh, So by the end of it, they're hugging. And I remember, like, there's a line that says, like, you know, and I don't don't think Jace and I were huggers, but we're hugging now. And that's that's great. And it's just like he he took that time. But I and because Jace also know. But then, see, it's so weird and you don't get a firm grasp on it is. Do these new memories that he created, do they go away now that he has the old ones back that he, now that he has ascended? No, they, they do merge. Okay. Because I, I really, what I enjoyed about this, and this was again, a struggle that Simon had was first he was frustrated that everybody was reminding him about all the stuff of the past, but we had discussed prior to recording throughout the week. I said, you know, I feel so bad for him because even as he's getting these memories back, he's recalling certain instances and he's recalling them as fact but the emotion isn't there so i felt so bad for him and then you just then he's also trying to figure out again who he is and he's frustrated with his friends and then once his friends realize okay just like isabel had to re-fall in love with him and she and he had to like re-fall in love with her under different pretenses and just still just like we kind of have to learn who we each other are 
as we are now. And I like that she goes, we're not these other couples. You and I are you and I, and we have to figure, like, they are not us. It's just, I feel like I'm talking in circles, but it's a lot. There's a point where, where Simon, everybody else has accepted this new Simon, like this quote unquote present day Simon, but Simon hasn't accepted his present day self. He's still so focused on like everything else and everybody's just, they, they, they've moved past that, but he hasn't. You're talking about recalling facts without the emotion behind it. And the perfect example of this is when Simon runs into Mark Blackthorne. Mark Blackthorne is a tragic figure. In my opinion, in my opinion, at this point, Mark Blackthorne is a tragic figure. So, so like, this is story number seven, Bitter of Tongue. This is when George has to be team leader, and he's not very good at it. And Simon ends up being, um, not taken, but, like, runs into, pretty much, fairy <laughs> and uh, gets taken um, by... Uh, the purple-eared elf and Mark Blackthorn drops in from the wild hunt. And Mark Blackthorn says the most heartbreaking thing, like, when are they coming for me? When are they coming for me? And Simon is like, you're Mark Blackthorn. Like, I know all, like, he's heard all about him. And then, and then Mark Blackthorn's like, how are my brothers and sisters? And Simon is sitting there like, he's like, I know Clary told me. But these are just anonymous kids. Like, I I didn't listen and I didn't care and I didn't know. And he has nothing really to give Mark Blackthorne. And it is just so sad. <sighs> There's a lot of things. There are a lot of problems that I don't like about the clave and how they operate. I mean, we knew from the end of the last book of The Mortal Instruments, everything that happened. And they go... Yeah, but he's still part of this whole situation, so we're going to excommunicate him, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just... Uh, oh, my God. Um. So, so if we're going to talk about that, I do want to talk about the Blackthorns. Okay. We know that the Blackthorns are the main, main characters in um, the Dark Artifices, the okay. set in LA. We know this. We know this. So this book is also another kind of backdoor pilot into that series because we get so much of the Blackthorns here. And we get when we get we get them all by name, you know, like Mark, Helen, Julian, Livy, Tiberius, Drusilla, Tavi, Emma, always Emma, always there with Julian. And oh my God, like I love Simon's observation and being like, he is so young. And he has all of these kids and he's taking care of them. And Simon goes over to help and Julian puts on the million watt smile and he's like, no, I got this. And Simon's like convinced, completely convinced. And then and then Julian walks away and he's like, that is a child. That is a child holding another child. He's on his own. In number seven, Bitter of Tongue, we get our first mention of Kieran. This is important. Kieran plays a part in the Dark Artifices. This is like the backdoor pilot for this. And um, this is the chapter where Simon gets really like fucking fired up about downworlder rights. Like he has been throughout this whole book. But like this is the chapter where it's like, this is not right. This is wrong. We have to do something. Why aren't any like why aren't any of you doing anything about this? And instead of like 
pulling apart his friends, they kind of like sit with it and they're still like friends and they still talk to each other about it. There isn't like an all out like fight. There is like disagreement, right? But there there's like understanding there too. Cause Julie had her whole like fucking family killed during the during the war. So like there's a lot of you know, there's a lot going on here. Well, and I mean, and later in the book, I like there's a conversation that he has with Magnus where they talk about him being a warlock or he goes, I could you want to be a vampire? You want to be a werewolf? Like, I I can do that. We can do that if that's what you want. And Simon goes, no, like, I need to do this from within. Like, that's why I want to be a shadow hunter. The change is going to be from like inside where the problem is and going to the heart of it. And I really, really appreciate that part. I mean, Simon is, you just see his, you see his growth as he is now because he, that's, that's what it is. Is it, it is a present day Simon with, without, with the basic knowledge of he, he doesn't know what he doesn't know. And, but there, there's a part, one of the girls, I can't remember if it's, julia or beatrice you know he's so quick to say he gets he's so quick when other people tell him like he's a mundane and all this stuff and then he refers to the nephilim i i forget what were they calling he was just like calling them nephilim or something but he says it in a way of disgust and one of the girls call him out and say you say you want to get all fired up about how they call like they call people mundanes with with such distaste. You're doing the same thing. Why are and if that's the case, why are, why you, are you even ascending? Here? Yeah, because you're literally physically going through all these tasks and classes and to, to to become the thing you hate. Make it make sense. Yeah, and 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 at that point, he is really struggling. Right? He, you know, he ran away from New York to not be with these people. He wants to, like, find himself and, like, be with himself. And he's he's all over the place at this point. So to have someone, like, call him out on his shit, he's like, oh, mm, well, yeah, mm, okay. Yeah, mm. yeah it's, just, it's just very interesting. It's very interesting. No, we, we love this. And, of course, Magnus um, pops up in story number nine. This is um, Born to Endless Night. Jess, what was your reaction to Magnus? I love Magnus. Magnus is my favorite. He's still my... He's just... Everything about present day um, Shadowhunters, it, it's Magnus. Always Magnus. He's my number one in all the things. He's he's everything that I want in a friend. His heart is so big and he just sees everything in a global way. And of course, in this story, we get uh, Simon. We get the baby. This is the baby story. Okay. This is the baby. Uh, you know, we get uh, Simon walking in on Alec and Magnus. <laughs> and, and like, he just stands there and he goes, I'm sorry to do this, but there's a there's baby, a baby. On the <laughs> <laughs> and, like I do. And then the, like Magnus like, close the door. We'll figure it out in a second. It's so funny. Oh, I love this story so much. Uh, I especially love seeing Alec this way. I love seeing Alec like confident and like secure and happy. And well, at this point in their relationship, like, you know, everything, there's a point where they, they, like they acknowledge in the beginning of the chapter of like how it wasn't always this way. There is communication now. Um, I like how they just casually created a portal to go to Bali for Christmas. That's kind of cool. Uh, 
Um, but I really do like that the communication is there because, and they waited till everybody left. They didn't have this like huge blowout thing. They both recognized that we haven't, things are moving a mile a minute. And it, it went from zero to 60 really quick because I just, I, in my head, I'm thinking somebody left it at this place. Just kind of like how some people, um, there's that option to leave your child at a firehouse or something for, say, you know, be it, mm-hmm. whatever your choice might be. That's how I initially would have assumed that that's probably how the entire institute would have done this. Like all hands on deck were community. Um but that's not how it turned out. Right, yeah, because it's a warlock baby. So And how sad. How sad. There's a part where Magnus is just like getting the bottle ready for him. And he's just like look they're just like he's holding him and he's looking out at ever like the whole family and it's talking about Alec. And they're just saying it's you know, right now, you know, one day it's just gonna be the two of us, but today's not that day. Oh my fucking heart. And we get all of these daddy scenes with Alec. So it just drives home that point that it, yeah, it'll just be the two of them. (laughs) I know it is so hard. And then, of course, you know, the baby abandoned at the steps of the of the academy had a note that says who could ever love it. And, you know, like how hard, you know, but I love this story because we get um, Maris and Robert Lightwood being like, really cute doting grandparents and they they offer more than once they were like you know we would if you call max like call him max like what a wonderful like and magnus is so moved by this because it's like lightwood they're they're offering up their name to a warlock baby to their like gay son to it's this huge thing and it's a couple chapters after the, the there Robert had his lecture at the academy and then not just the lecture the side conversation that he has with Izzy of you know um I, I hate being the person that, like, I fucked up a lot of ways. And, you know, I, I do love your mother. But, like, that unconditional love that some people have, um, I don't have with her. It's it, – that's not a – that doesn't mean it's a bad thing. It's just different. But I've made a lot of mistakes. I know that love with you and yours, like, to Izzy, to, to Alec, to Max – did I fuck up? Yes. Am I trying to make up for it? Also, yes. But that type of vulnerability, because how often do parents really say, like, I fucked up? And also, um, Robert says, like, you know, uh, Michael would be a great middle name. And you know what <gasps> that, that means. Uh... What that means for him to to, to say. Because we get those Valentine chapters. Uh, like, as you said, when, when Robert comes in to do... His lecture, and he talks about the circle, and he talks about Valentine. And, like, he says, like, from back then, like, he didn't have, like, this soul connection with Maris. It just, like, wasn't there. Like, he says it from the very beginning. Um, And then you have the whole thing with Valentine and, like, being so charismatic and how it all, like, went way off the rails. And how Valentine was like, you know, put your faith in me. Like, I will, you know, choose what's right for you so that, like, you don't... Yeah, like, all that crazy, like, 
crazy psychopath dictator stuff. Cult stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like all that, all that crazy stuff. Um, and then, and then the shadow hunter, like culture about like being gay and all of that stuff, which is horrific. And then Robert and like Michael comes out, right? He comes out to, to Robert and he's like, I'm in love with you. And, and Robert is like, don't you ever say another word yeah. to me again, right? You know, and, and they're parabatai too, so which is like this deep connection. And he says, like, you know, they're gonna think that about me too. Like, I can't. Like, you're never gonna say this again. Like, we're never, ever, ever. And it's just, it's just so sad. So then to see Robert be like, you know, Michael, you could use Michael. It's such a great name. Like, he is so like racked with guilt, and he's like, like working on himself and like putting himself here with Alec. And, and I do, do really enjoy that. Um, and I do love, and this is a little like side, side like thing to this. Um, as you said, the communication, Alec and Magnus agree to be married when like they change the law and like everyone can get married. Like, which is a lot of people did that mm -hmm. until it was legal here because in the States, because they're like, until it's legal, then I refuse to get married. Like, why I refuse to be a part of a community that doesn't treat us and welcome us equally. And it's like, oh, oh, it's so sweet. And then, of course, Robert, Robert does like, he says something kind of sketchy. He's like, you know, Magnus, if you made this baby for like you and Alec, like magically... Like, I'd be cool with it. He's like, I'm open. I'm trying to be more open. Like, I get it. <laughs> and, and, and Magnus is, like, horrified. Magnus is like, what the fuck? And then he's like that yeah. with all the Lightwoods, though. Because, like, all of them are there, right? Like, Yeah, I, I, I forgot about that. I even made the note, too. Because he goes, "I does, does he forget how, how babies are made? <laughs> Uh, it's uh, it's so it's just so funny. And then of course we get um Magnus says like only a few shadow hunters have like touched his life and like touched his heart and he mentions like Jem and he mentions Will and he mentions Henry and Christopher and James. And then uh, a little like thing to this is we get a very nice interaction between Katarina and Magnus uh reading uh, a letter from Raphael wow. to Ragnar. And we find out that Ragnar had been taking Spanish lessons, like, on the sly, through Raphael, which is just so funny and, like, so, like, sweet and very, like, interconnected. And and Katarina says, like, no, like, Simon is here and these children want to be taught at Shadowhunter Academy. They're different than everybody before because they are the product of watching Shadowhunters and Downworlders fight in in the Dark War. So they saw that, so they're more open to everything. So that's why Katarina's like, I'm here to like honor, you know, Ragnar and I'll see Simon through Ascension and like this this is good. Like good things are happening here. Because we also get this is such an important chapter, uh the the beginning of um Maya, Lily, and Alec having their like downworlder shadow hunter meetings and how important that is. And that is like the agent for change that like Alec is is working for and and I love it it's so wonderful and it this is not a spoiler but it does like continue on like in the present day stuff like this this downworlder like coalition does carry through and it's it's really nice it's really nice it's really nice I want to talk about Jack the Ripper <laughs> 
I see your face. I see your face. <laughs> I'm just going to hold my Will plushie because he's the best. So this is story number three. This is the Whitechapel Fiend. Uh, this is, uh, it starts off with tree dropping lessons with Jace and Simon. It's very funny, very funny. Um but the special lecture that we get in this is Tessa. We get Tessa. We see her for the first time. We see um, Simon see Tessa. Um, and, and we get Tessa talking about how she is one of the only people left alive who remember the truth about things that happened in the past. And the example that she uses is the Whitechapel Fiend, which is Jack the Ripper, who ended up being a demon um, that they vanquished and, and they... You know, history took a life on its own and they were part of it. You know, this whole thing. Um, this is where we get Daddy Daddy Will Herondale with, like, infant children. It's so hot. It's so fucking hot. I don't know why. I don't know why. It's the hottest thing ever. I texted you. I go, this shouldn't be so attractive. But here he is being Daddy Herondale. And super protective over everybody in his life. And, um, you know, you're finding out about Jack the Ripper and they, and, uh, Gabriel is like, look, we need, we need to figure this out. This is awful. The things that are happening of, you know, the women in London, we have to fix this. And then, you know, he proposes using Tessa and Cecily as bait, essentially. And, and Will's like, that is my wife and my sister. And Gabriel's like, your sister's my wife. <laughs> it's so funny. But they, and it took them months. And then you find out. But then we get a, an appearance from Jessamine also. Yeah. And she's lo- overlooking the Institute, as we know. And we later find out that the whole, you know, the Jack the Ripper demon spirit followed them back one night. And then in a way kidnap their kids and they are distraught gem shows up me cue me crying um and you come to find out that this jack the ripper demon is a child who's like looking for a mother or someone to play with them and jessamine is kind of luring the the demon to say like i'll play with you do you need a friend look at my dollhouse the dollhouse that she asked will to save which what a nice little throwback because of course when all that stuff was happening in the in the infernal devices you're like she's dying and she's worrying about the fucking dollhouse so that's a nice little um callback and payout at the same time because you go oh the dollhouse came through and she get, finds out that all the kids are just nestled in the chimneys in each of the parents' rooms, but they didn't know that. And all is well, and then they vanquish the demon. And But because it's Jack the Ripper and nothing's happening, it's taking on a life of its own in the media. And that's when you just hear that the media is going to be the thing that works best in the favor of Shadowhunters. Do you like uh, Will Herondale? Daddy Will Herondale giving James a dagger and Tessa being like, what? He's like, he likes it. He picked it up. Look how he holds it. He's so good with it. He is not carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders anymore. And he's just the fact that he's just so much. They're, 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 he's just so much lighter. 
it, it's it's nice that poor that poor man had gone through it his entire life. He deserves that happiness. Ugh. Ugh. Oh, it's so. Oh, it's I will wonderful. bear all of your children, right? And of course, James is like spoon, spoon. It's like <laughs> I don't know. It was cute, and I liked it. It so was just so cute. random. Like, where's James? Spoon. 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 And I think it's so funny, too, because, you know, we, we see James, like, when he's 13, and they mention the spoon. It's like, oh, oh it's so sweet. Uh, let's talk about the lost Herondale, because this um, this is a huge. And that's going to have a payout. I We didn't, right? I have to assume. We have to assume. We just didn't get it here. Yeah, you don't get it here. You don't get it here, but you do get a payout. So... What is the la- the lost Herondale? Jess, what is the lo- the lost Herondale? Uh, oh, there's a there's another Herondale. So there's basically we thought that the line ended with Jace based on like the family tree of it all, mm-hmm. but we find out that there, somebody else had another kid that nobody knew about. So there's this whole other family tree line that's out there that nobody knows exists except for Katarina because Katarina is the one that took the baby um from I believe it's um Eva took Eva uh because Tobias so and this is the whole story about how like what is the worst possible thing that a shadow hunter can do and and um uh, Leave your shadow, your fellow yeah. shadow hunter behind, right? Yeah, and like Laszlo Balog says, like you know, running away, being a coward, you know, leaving your shadow hunters behind, not fighting, going out with glory. Da 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 da. da. Well, Katarina tells us that um, uh, Tobias Herondale didn't want to be there. He left his pregnant wife. He got ensorcelled. This is in Bavaria, by the way, which I just love. Um, so got ensorcelled by some um, uh, some warlocks in Bavaria and. They showed him, like, horrific visions, and he was wandering around mad, right? So, like, that's not his fault. Uh, but in his absence, the clave persecuted his wife, and this is this is how we get, like, the law is hard, but it is the law type. You know, this is this is that. But they pick and choose, again, mm-hmm. and this is just, like, an overall thing. And this and it's not just the world of Shadowhunters. It is clearly the world in which we live in today, is they pick and choose who they want the laws to apply to. Yes, yes. And that that is a whole... That's the politics, right? right? Like, there's so many umbrellas, like, in Shadowhunters, and, like, politics is a huge one. Um, yeah, and in the Los Herondale, so Katarina, Katarina takes the baby, Tobias's, you know, Tobias Herondale's baby, and uh, raises it on her own. And, yeah, had they have a whole line, and they are Shadowhunter blood, but they are, like, not, like, activated, you know? Um, and they're And they're out there. And, like, Simon... Uh, tells so she tells Simon and that Simon has that like stewing in her head and then eventually Simon tells Jace to talk to Tessa didn't she say was he not in that lecture no he wasn't oh okay because she says at the beginning of the at the lecture she goes you know my name is Tessa Gray and from the years of da 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 like basically the years till they've been together until the time of his death um she was also known as Tessa Herondale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't in there. Okay. Um, so Simon tells Jace. Jace talks to Tessa. And uh, Tessa tells Jace that he's, like, not alone. And, like, he's not the last one. And, and there's, like, something something there. And that that's wonderful. We love it. Um, 
And then, and then in this story, though, we have Clary coming to Simon and saying, Simon, be nicer to Isabel because Isabel is having a hard time and she, she, she can't really handle like what's going on. And like the way that you're treating her is making it very hard on her. And, and it hits him with like, you don't know her that well, but, and like, what an ouch. What an ouch for Simon. Oh, my goodness. Well, I like the part where, and we had to discuss this, um, where he goes, what do you mean that she's not handling it? She's she's the strongest girl I know. Because she, she, uh, Clary was saying she's really hurt. She's really upset. Like, just, just she's really sensitive about this right now. And he's just doubting that, saying, what are you talking about? She's the strongest girl that I know. And she goes, well, she's that, too. Like, what a what a wonderful thing, I think, to remind other people that it never has to be either or. You can be all those things and you can be additional things as well. And I, I just I loved that little it was just such a little I, feminist little thing that I like about strong females, because I think people, you know, check on your strong friends kind of thing. Check on your strong friends. Check on Helen Blackthorne because she's having a hell of a time. This is story number six. This is Hail Kings and Princes. Um, Helen Blackthorne. So this is the second oldest Blackthorne child. One, uh, her brother is Mark Blackthorne. They are the half shadow hunter, half fairy. Um, oh, God. Uh, because, okay, so let's loose, loose recap. They were from the beginning of the sixth book of the Mortal Instruments when when Valentine was going through the institutes and she's part shadow hunter and she finds out that her biological mother is fairy is a fairy or is fae. And she didn't even know. Did she know growing Uh, up? Yeah, she knew. Oh yeah. She she knew. knew. But I think, but then she was kind of like written off when all this stuff happened because she isn't a hundred percent. Um, Shadow Hunter, she's part Fae. How can we trust her? Because mm-hmm. Fae are like, you know, you have all the different um All the racism. Vill- yeah. All the all the racism here. All the racism here, right? Like they uh, wouldn't believe like the things that she was telling, like recounting situations. Um and then to find out just more of the story, I can't I, I don't recall that was what how she was like pr- how she became to be. That her dad sucked the blood from the fairy, and then he was there for years in Fey time, but only a day in human time. And it's such a crazy story because we learn that that what Helen knows and what the clave told her is an absolute bullshit lie. Well, which is, like, that's so consistent. interesting. Yeah, yeah, which is so interesting. So what Helen uh, comes and she is forced to do this. By the way, she is forced yeah. to come and do these lectures. And and the the reward is that she can um, stay in Alicante for a day to get married. But then she has to go back to Wrangell Island, which is so fucked up. Um, but Helen Blackthorne, her dad um, is Andrew Blackthorne, and her uncle is Arthur Blackthorne. Those two, um, uh, they ended up in fairy. And and they were Arthur was tortured for seven years and Andrew was enchanted by a choker and he um, was completely pledged and in love with with this fairy. And he had no idea that Arthur was being tortured. 
Um, and oh my god, it's so it's so incredibly terrible. It's like a combination of Stockholm syndrome and the lying and the trigger warning for sexual assault. He was essentially raped under false pretenses. It's just like the craft that we talked about in our episode, and just like Priory, also. Arthur escapes, saves Andrew. They both leave Fairy. It's been a long time. They're both fucked up. Arthur goes to London. Andrew stays and starts the Blackthorn family. And then Arthur and then Helen and Mark get dropped off in baskets to the L.A. Institute. Okay. Um, So that's the story that Helen has to tell. It's not the true fucking story because we get the real story later in kind of like a uh, like in like a little note. And the real story is that Andrew pledged himself freely to this fairy woman and Arthur would not leave him there. So the woman gave Arthur to one of her like handmaidens and he was tortured for seven years. Um, seven fey years. Seven fey years. Yeah. Andrew found this out, freed Arthur, um, you know, let him. So the, the, his, his, the, the fey lady like found out that they knew about each other. The brothers knew about each other. So she let it all happen and let them think that they freed each other. Let them think that the choker was ensorcelled and let lied to him and said that he was enslaved to her and that he didn't pledge himself. So that's the true story. And then Arthur believed that he killed her. So he is so she faked her own death. And that's why. And then the babies came and she was going to keep the babies. But she wanted Andrew back and they were too close of a reminder. So she sent the babies to the Institute and then she died. She died. Um, her whole body and soul destroyed uh, uh, out of like grief for this. And that is the true story of Helen and Mark Blackthorne. And it's so fucking sad because everything's so like underlyingly sad in this book. Um, and that's what actually happened. It's sad because of you're connecting so many, so many plot points that I don't want to say were like missing from. It just gives you a deeper behind the scenes and it answers so many questions sure because this is this is julian's blackthorn you know julian emma all of them that's their dad who is dead now and their uncle who is a stranger to them like he's the one that came from london who was saved by jessamine during the attack and he they're gonna over they're gonna yeah la yeah so that that's that story. And then we have the racism and the way that the clave treats her and that, you know, uh, uh, Helen is only there to be humiliated. And then because everybody is like really fired up about the fairies and the cold peace that's happening. And um, there there's there's Izzy and Simon's really terrible date here at the weapons shop, <laughs> which is just like so funny. Like they have three like really bad dates and then this one is just really bad too. But I like this because um Isabel doesn't give up, right? She's like she's like, no. She there's a bad date in the weapon shop and she goes out, she's like, No, no, no. We have this we have this second chance. Let's let's not as you said earlier, worry about like what other people are doing. Let's just do what we have to do. And then he find then Simon realizes that his biggest fear here is losing himself as he is now. Because by this point, we're we're in we're in story number six. He likes himself at this point. Like he 
He he's really starting to get a grip on things. Everything is starting to click for him. He's you know, trying to regain some memories. He's talking to Clary more. Like what I thought was important. This is after the year one summer break. Yeah. So then I, what I really appreciated about this is I think that a lot of people go through that, you know, where you grew up and your former, I don't want to say former life, but in a way, yes, that might not be what you consider home anymore. And you go back, you know, so he goes home, he goes to Brooklyn, he's with his mom, he's with his sister. And he goes, yeah, I'm quote unquote going home, but this isn't, this isn't who I am. This isn't part of me anymore. It's where I I live during the break, but it's not what I consider home anymore. And I think a lot of people go through that when you establish a new life in a new city or a new area and a different group of friends, and it doesn't make one better than the other. It's just you define your home differently, and he's recognizing that um, after that summer, and then he's like... You know, they had the three failed dates. A couple of them wound up being because they had to start attacking shadow hunter like uh, demons. And he's like, well, you didn't call me. And she's like, you didn't call me either. I saved your ass. Like, the least you should have done is call me, um, which I loved. And I, I don't know. But I, like you said, I do like there's that under he's he's gaining his self-confidence and understanding who he is now. And I think that's really evident, too, and, and that the turning point of that is in uh, story number eight, The Fiery Trial. This is where Jem and Magnus drug the shit out of Clary and Simon, and they have a bad <laughs> trip in Bethesda Fountain. And um, they decide and, and realize that they can become parabatai because Simon's um, time as a vampire didn't count, and he is still 18. That was one of my questions I had, but then it wound up being answered. My other question is, why was that? Why did they have to go through that to figure out that they were parabatai? Because I feel like nobody else went on these like crazy drug trips. Oh, um, because both of them had blocks in their mind, like mind work done. So they couldn't do the fiery trial. They had to do the water trial. Oh, okay. Because I remember them talking about the fire and water trial, but I think I took it as they had to do the water trial first before doing the fire trial. Oh, no, it's just in like one or the other. Okay. They were like, they were special cases. They were special cases. That's all. Um, what I like about this story is obviously we get Jem and Magnus, you know, that that's, this is all, this is all fun. And Jace, um, you know, appearing to Simon saying, like, remember where we met and Clary having the same vision. That's all very cool. I like how, and I wonder if you picked up on this, both Simon and Clary are a little bit weirded out by Julian and Emma and the vibe at the Parabatai ceremony. Did you yeah. pick up on that? Yeah. I picked up on it because they there was something they were saying that they just kept glancing at each other. They go... Yeah, this isn't how it's supposed to work. Why are we why are we treating it like this? And they knew like they knew it was and I guess you find out later in the chapter they go it's it's like when Rowan and Aelin have their inter- internal conversations. Like everybody around them is saying like, "Oh, that you guys are being weird. Can you stop that?" And everybody is seeing uh Simon and Clary have these conversations. 
but they're not. It, but it's it's like those you know when you look at your best friend across the room and you're like you're just communicating with your eyes. That's exactly what's happening. But that's exactly what like the pair of a tie are is knowing each other on a such a deep level that you don't need to have the actual conversation for the conversation to happen. It oh gosh. Uh, so something that about this though is that Julian just wants to get the ceremony over, right? He's like, I, I, ju- I just want it over. I just want it over. I just want it over. And everyone says, like, you know, it's Julia, uh, Julian, his art and his Emma. That is what makes up Julian. And it said, and it is mentioned specifically that uh, in, um, I believe, Robert's chapter, where he says, like, you can't fall in love with your parabatize, like mm-hmm. you can't date your parabatize, or right. no, and but that, that's, yeah. but that's said. That said, even in the infernal devices, like you can, like that is a huge parabatai thing. Which when, which is what I liked about Julian and Emma, and then again with Clary and Simon, and I'm sure it gives some, uh, gives Izzy some reprieve. That it shows that you can have platonic best friends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, oh, it's it's good. Or but it's and good. then like in Robert's chapter where Michael is you know professing his love to him, he's like I do have this secret I've been keeping from you, spills it. And he acknowledges, he's like, I I have to tell you, you are my pair of a tie. I can't keep this in. I don't want to keep anything from you. How, like, and I recognize that we are pair of a tie. Like, nothing can happen with this. But that's what I've been keeping from you. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's good. It's good. Uh, our last chapter here is chapter 10. It is um, Angel's Twice Descending. Just what happens in Angel's Twice Descending? Uh, they go through the Ascension. And what happens in the Ascension? <sighs> George dies. George dies. Were you expecting George to die? No. No? No. I just expected, you know why? Because I knew it was a novella. And the novella, and I guess my experience with novellas are, tep- are typically, they're lighter, they're fun. Also that he was a new character. And in hindsight, I'm like, it's all fucking there. Like, I know the foreshadowing is there. There's all these, t- like, you know, the, the, between the best friend conversations and then Simon's like, you know what? No, I do have best friends. But you know what I've never had is a brother. And you're like that, you know, all the foreshadowing is there. Why? I, I just I got so invested to be happy and back with everybody that I was so consumed with that that all the little details that we usually talk about were, were so secondary for me. So, so George, uh, George taking a slug at the mortal cup and then burning alive from the inside out really shocked you, huh? Yeah, yeah. I was like, what's what? happening? Yeah, yeah, I was like, George, and then it was very descriptive. Like, it, it was very descriptive, and I and I feel like there, there were, which is we'll we'll talk about it more in a little bit, but. The narrators brought him to life so well that you you it was really easy to like George from every little thing from you know him saying you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna train with you with the dregs they're roomies for two years they you know they have these little conversations the like slime sl- the yeah, slime slime there's little things that Simon picks up at when like they'll have like late night conversations but then when George wants to like when he shifts to his side he knows that's like he's really winding down for bed but then like one of the girls left his room he goes I didn't think you were coming back but a gentleman never tells but you weren't home either and Simon's like ah, you know and I, you know 
he was so happy he got laid. He was so happy. He's like, uh, somebody shit in your t-shirt drawer. And he's like, I could buy another shirt. And I was like, this kid is so happy. Well, and then, well, that, that's, that's a huge, that's a huge point. So like Simon throughout this whole thing was battling with a lot, but one of the things that he was battling with, with was, was he a virgin? <laughs> thing i mean i know i'm being like stereotypical but he's like and i love how she goes yeah if you forgot you had sex with me i'd be pretty pissed do you yeah. need or not yeah like no isabel that brings me to my point like so um so simon so so isabel shows up and this is like simon's like last night right like before his ascension and isabel shows up and she's like all very sexy and, and you know simon and like, simon, well, like simon's like into it and like and then um he he stops and he's like, uh, you know, is this like end of the world sex? And Isabel's like, I don't do end of the world sex. You know who's first does of that? all, everybody else, all the Herondales do all end the of the world sex. All of all of them. Oh, all of them. They're all game. End of the world sex. Bam. <laughs> wham bam. Thank you, ma'am. So Isabel, I don't do end of the world sex. Is bullshit. You don't remember, but we were busy. Like we didn't have time for that, which I find hilarious. And she's, and then he's like, Oh, well, you're not doing this. Like in case I die, she's like, I'm doing this because I want to do this and no other reason. It's like, fuck yeah, Isabel. You fucking love her. She and Magnus are the reason I read this. So good, right? So good. Isabel, Isabel, nothing less than seven inches light wood. Like, yes, yes, please. Um, something else that I really love about this is Simon goes to his mom and Simon ugh, this is really hard for me because Simon finds out that his mother does not possess unconditional love going back to what you said and you know that right from the beginning you know that right in the beginning mm-hmm. and we and it, it's so sad because he knows this that's why he goes you know what I'm gonna go to the shadow hunter can to me I'm gonna tell her and she acts like everything's fine she acts like everything's fine and to know she has her memories gone. Even though he has his memories gone, he knows this as a fact that she would kick him out if she if he isn't what she would approve to be. And he has to act like he doesn't know. And that has to be so pay it's it's those little realizations, you know, when you have of what like family members might think of you and you find out you're like, that's not how I was supposed to find out, but now it sits with me forever. Cool. Um but then later on, it comes full circle where she has the actual conversation. She goes, I have, to, I feel like I have to apologize to you about something. And I don't know what, but love is unconditional. And she's having this whole conversation and he knows that it's not for her. Yeah. And she says, like, you know, I, I have this feeling like I betrayed you. like Because you did. And she's like, I would never. I would never do that. Like, you're my boy forever. And Simon's like... No, no, like, ugh. Oh, it's so sad, but then, I feel like ugh. it's harder for him with his, like, it, it's not so hard with his mother because he has that fact. Like, I'm not saying it's not difficult, but his sister found out who he truly was, and she's like, okay, but are you still my brother? Are you still here? Cool. Give me a second to adjust, but I still love you. Like, I'm still, you're, you're, we're still siblings. So I feel like him 
talking to his sister about like saying like goodbye forever was actually going to be the difficult thing. And we don't get that. And we don't get that. Yeah, we don't get that. But oh my gosh, Simon. And then he says like, you know, the 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 rules are made to be broken. I'll find a way to keep them in my life. Um he also he also goes by Jordan's like old apartment and he had like a crazy flashback. Mm-hmm. He had a flashback. He's like, "Wait, how do I know that?" And then he had, yeah, and he remembers all over again that Jordan's dead. And it's just it's just really sad. As you said, he realizes that George is more like a brother to him and that um the reason that he wants to be a shadow hunter is he wants to like be with all of these people that he loves. He wants to be part of their lives. He wants to be part of the like the bigger fight, right? Like that's what he wants. It's like he wants to be part of something bigger than himself. Um and, and he and Simon says like at his ascension, everything started with the mortal cup and like now it's like ending with the mortal cup. Uh too with his ascension, which I thought was very nice um for like bookends and stuff. And then we get uh, all of Simon's memories and the thing that i love about this is his first memory is isabel yeah it's isabel it's also his last memory is isabel it's like she is just like everything for him and he's 18 at this point like 19 technically since he was dead like i love like i love that and and they make the point again to to remind us that like shadow hunters get married young because shadow hunters die young shadow hunters grow up you know they're you know uh, so I just, I, I, I just love it. And then George dies in front of everybody. And it's kind of mentioned here, but like Simon is not okay. Like, um, he, he says that he, cause, cause it picks up a little bit later after, um, kind of after all of this, but Simon is, is like restless. He's, he, he doesn't have this closure. He feels just like kind of out of it. So he asks, he asks Clary to, Take him to London. And who do we see in London? We see the ghost of George and he is with Jessamine. Like And he thought uh, he was seeing things because mm-hmm. then he knows like sometimes, you know, images kinda become established. I really like that he takes on George's shadow hunter. Mm-hmm. Like that's the shadow hunter name that he chooses for himself. Because initially you think, actually, I didn't know what he was going to say. And then there was something before they say Lightwood. I go, oh, it would make sense if he took Lightwood. Mm -hmm. But he didn't. He takes George's. And I really, really love that. I love the homage. I love, I'm frustrated with the whole, well, he can't be buried here because he wasn't worthy. And I get frustrated about that because you have somebody who trained, who did all the work, who did everything. Here's this person who it's, it's kind of sometimes reminds me of the military and my brother's in the military. So I think of, um, he's willing to do something and he's overseas. He's willing to do something that I'm not physically and willing and able to do. Like, why would I not consider somebody even going through it unworthy? They're doing more work than I am. Well, that is the problem. You know, that's one of the many problems with the clay, right? Um, So the theme that I picked up on this, I picked up like a few, but the main one is family is like your choice, right? Right. So it's a little bit more than found family. It's it's, it's specifically like family is your choice. It's not about blood. Um, and, And family are people that you love, that love you, that like make you like complete and like better. And accept you in every 
capacity, every shape and form and fuck up and ownership. And I, I it, this almost feels bigger than found family, but I know it is found family. It just feels like, I don't know, like it, it's, it's hardier. I don't, I don't know how to explain it. It's also like, you know, being true to yourself and like doing the right thing and standing up for, you know, for, for standing up against bullies and, you know, re- you know, that's a huge thing and taking, choosing to do the right thing. And, and even when it's hard, because, uh, you know, that's really drilled in when Isabel is there for Robert's chapter and she's trying to get all the kids to raise the demon. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Simon- well, that's a peer pressure thing. It was exactly. A peer pressure test. Yeah. And I thought like she, even though she was like, do I, I, I don't like the idea. I realized I was being used, but she goes, I know at least one person who's going to be like, "Uh uh-uh, like, I don't care. I'm not going to feed into this. I'm not going to do it. And she she was right. She wasn't expecting Julia, but she knew Simon was going to pull. She she knew her man. Yeah, and Robert even says, like, my daughter was right about you. It's like, ha-ha, you were, you were. (laughs) Uh, So those are all of the stories. Like, just you have, like, Thoughts? Do you have questions? There's not enough time in the world <laughs> to want to do like my TVR is long as fuck, and then it's like, but I just want to go back into it. I just this. I I I get it. I get it. Why people love these books? I. It, what's another thing that we you you have said? We've said um, if the author writes it. You should read it. Um, there, there's just so much information and it's a little bit lighter if you don't, you know, if you don't, if you keep it at surface level, it's very fun. Do not spiral because that's what took me so long to read this this week on top of a couple other things is that I would just start spiraling and crying and realizing the connection because by the time this episode releases, our the Infernal Devices episode are out there. And I'm just a wreck. And we both are, actually. <laughs> and it's just, like, it can seem very overwhelming. But just just take it in stride. I think that would be my advice with this. And I feel like another thing, if you were looking for a selling point for somebody to convince somebody to read the series, is if you like Supernatural, you might like this. Just tell me about the narrators of this book. Ah, I don't even remember the only person I cared about was Sam Hewen. <laughs> well, and um, uh, and Chris Wood and Chris Wood and uh, is it the Chris Wood that we know? Yeah, it is that Chris Wood. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, is it the Chris? Is this the Chris Wood? It's, they've got a ton of people on. Yeah, there. they have a ton of people, but they're like they switched out the narrator a few times for the different stories because I learned from you is that these were initially novellas, as we know, and then Tales of the Shadowhunter Academy kind of bundled them all up under one umbrella. So that would be why Sam Hewen isn't listed as the Audible narrator. So that was a really fun surprise. And he sounds just, just as yummy as you would think. He's good. He should do it more. He's very good. Actually, they're all very good. So um, if you've been listening for a while, you know one of our criticisms of Cassie Clare books is that they don't keep the same narrator and it's like jarring and kind of annoying. In this case, though, it works. 
It works. It, it works. Like, there's, I have no problem with this. Everybody can do, like, a pretty good Scottish accent. So, like, George is really consistent throughout. Everybody's really consistent. So that's is that maybe that's it because I felt like there was consistency. I always knew when I I you know when you're listening to Simon, you mm-hmm. always knew who which characters you were listening to. Yeah, Katarina's accent was consistent. Everybody was consistent. Everybody was really good, and it didn't take you out of the story. Like maybe initially you're like, okay, there's this, this is a new narrator, and then you take a second, and you're like, okay, I'm in it. Um, yeah, no no problems here. So this is a very like interesting example of of multiple narrators that work and that don't take us out of the story. Uh, so like kudos, yeah. It's it's a strange little it's a strange little book, but we love it. We love it very much. Uh, well, at least I love it. I don't know. Do you love it? <laughs> I love it. I I love it. I have a question for you. Ask. You are currently a mundane. Would if you given the opportunity, would you go? Would you go through the process to be to ascend? No, I would die immediately. Like not even in the in the training. Like go off to the academy for two years and then get like all the skill set to try. Uh, no, because I, I I know I would die and that would be terrible. Uh, and I don't think I could live with the shame of ducking out the night before like Sunil did. Uh, so no, I I don't think so. I think. If I were a mundane, I would probably try to become a vampire or or a werewolf. Yeah. yeah, or a werewolf. Yeah, I would I would try to go that that way because I don't want to be taken by the fae. So no. yeah, so yeah, you'd rather be. So you wouldn't go through the ascension. You would be like, you know what? Let me get bit. I'll still be a part of the world. Call it a day. Yeah, yeah. Call it a day because I don't want to deal with the clave. Don't want to deal yeah. with the clave. Like, I don't want to deal with the politics. Um, I would like to be, like, adjacent, you know? Like, like Maya. Like, head of the New York werewolf pack. Works with all the shadow hunters and, like, deals with the accords. But, like, doesn't deal with, like, the, the inside shadow the hunter politics. Yeah, the, poli- the, the, like, yeah, the deeply bullshit politics. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's not just this book. Like, the clave is an ongoing issue for as long as we've known. Yeah, yeah, the clave is a problem in the infernal devices, and it's a problem here. So it, it's just it's very interesting, and I, I love that. I love that. I have a question for you. Um, where so like where would you go from here? So like if you go if you go to James and Matthew, you have to read a couple um, of G- Gems stories. Just, just to be in the right headspace. And if you go to L.A., I'd have to look. You might have to do that, too. L.A. is complete. The Last Hours is ongoing. Do I look into the Magnus Bane Chronicles? You could look into the Magnus Bane Chronicles. Or, like, I do Magnus Bane Chronicles first, then Gems stuff, then head to L.A., then go back to Last Hours. I don't know. I don't know. We, you would have to gauge your interest. So, like, you gauge your interest after you choose the next thing. My my thing is I want to know more about James and Cordelia and who the fuck Grace is and Lucy. I More, more Daddy Herondale. I want it all. I want that. But I'm also the person who I'm like, I want to save the best for last. So that's why do I want to that that's that's the priority and then I'm going to read that and I'm not going to want to I'm not going to want to fuck around with anything else. 
Um, I would love to know where audience, audience, where, where, just like in general, this is all like, you know, like hypothetically. Let's pretend Laura doesn't decide. Hypothetically, hypothetically. Um, where, where would she go from here? Would you want her in LA or would you want her in, um, England still? But with the knowledge that comes, cause like she would, yeah, there's knowledge that has to be gained from both of those stories. Uh, the Magnus Bank Chronicles and, uh, Ghosts of the Shadow Market. I think either way, I should read the two novellas first. I think so. I don't think you can read all of them. I'll have to be totally oh. like deep in it, but I have to I have to make sure. I just have to make sure I have to make sure. Oh, because something might give something else away. Yeah. Just the oh. just the way that it is, but I'm not entirely sure. Um, you know, full disclosure, I'm not a thousand percent as familiar with Ghost of the Shadow Market as I am with Tales of the Shadow Hunter Academy. I don't know why that is. It just just how it is. Maybe because Jem is so freaking sad. I'm gonna listen to sad violin music. Sad violin the music <laughs> the whole time. Ah, well, as always, I really love these books. And if you have issues with Classy Claire, we are not addressing them here. We did address them in the first Shadow Hunters episode that we had. Um, please do your own research, but. Now we're like deep in the story, so we're like deep in the story now. And we are talking about only the story. I feel like that's important to say. Yeah. Yeah. So feel free to follow us on Instagram, Akafe Podcast. We're also both on TikTok, Akafe Laura and Akafe Jessica. As always, we appreciate and thank you for listening and taking the time out of your day. Hope to talk to you soon. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye.